So, so we pray, uh, other times we pray for just a renewal in the Holy Spirit. That's sometimes called a baptism in the Spirit. Usually you would go through uh, what's called a life in the Spirit seminar and do some study and preparation for calling down uh, this, for this renewal in the Holy Spirit. We're just going to do it tonight as our opening prayer. But So I want you to get the idea that you know we're supposed to be praying for a renewal in the gifts and the strengthening of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we have. And then uh, I put a beautiful quote on that prayer page from um, B16, as, as I used to lovingly call him, B16. You know, if you need your B16 vitamin every day to be strengthened in the faith. So Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus, he's, he's a beautiful quote here about the Holy Spirit. And I always like to promote the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit needs to be paid attention to and not forgotten and called upon and you know, the Holy Spirit is a key role in our life so I always like to bring up with folks the Holy Spirit so we, we can all pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen dear Lord Jesus I renounce Satan and all of my sinful ways that keep me separated from you I thank you for dying on the cross in order to save me from my sins and with your resurrection to bring me to new life in you. I wish to surrender myself to you and follow you as the Lord of my heart. I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit and in power that I might follow you more closely and love you more deeply all the days of my life. Let the gifts of the Holy Spirit come alive in me. In your precious name I pray, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and kindle us in the fire of your love and power. Lord Jesus, baptize us anew in the Holy Spirit so that we might be empowered witnesses of the new evangelization in our day, amen. And I'll just read this quote for you. Uh, from Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, the Holy Spirit gives us joy, and he is joy. Joy is the gift in which all other gifts are included. It is the expression of happiness, of being in harmony with ourselves, that which can only come from being in harmony with God and with his creation. It belongs to the nature of joy to be radiant. It must be communicated itself. The missionary spirit of the church is none other than the impulse to communicate the joy which has been given. Amen. Oh, in this one title, Our Hearts Were Burning Within Us, this is just, this is just extra credit, uh, take-home quotes you can read, talking about what is the, um, the mission of the church and what are we supposed to be doing. The church does have an explicit mission, and it's stated very well, I think, in the back. Let's see. Well, I don't know where it's on. Uh, anyways, it's in here. That's just to take home and read. Great. Well, we also like, oh, should always start with the Word of God. So I found this passage from the Paul's uh, from the letter to the Galatians about when Saint Paul had his conversion, uh, and he's telling the Galatians, you know, what did he do? You know, for well. Let me start here first. This is how you can tell a Protestant from a Catholic, just by asking him the question. 
and this is the story of St. Paul. So every Catholic will say, St. Paul fell off his horse. And there's no horse in Scripture, so no Protestant talks about a horse. So if you ask someone about St. Paul's conversion and they say he fell off his horse, because in all of our art we got St. Paul falling off a horse. So the Catholic will say he had a horse, the Protestants say there's no horse. <laughs> so there is no horse in Scripture, just, that's just a little tidbit for you. But anyways, what did he do after that? And that's what I want to look at today. This is uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse uh, 15. Following. Because we're really talking about tonight our conversion and our mission. It's the same thing that happened to Paul. We're, we're talking about that tonight. A reading from the letter of uh, St. Paul to the Galatians. But that time came when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his favor chose to reveal his son to me, that I might spread among the Gentiles the good tidings concerning him. Immediately, without seeking human advisors or even going to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me, I went off to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Three years after that, I went up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, whom I, with whom I stayed 15 days I did not meet any other apostles except James, the brother of the Lord. I declare before God that what I've just written is true. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wanted to say that because most people don't know that St. Paul went out to the desert after he was converted. He says he went to Arabia, which is a desert. He went out to the desert to prepare himself for the mission. And, and then he went to see some other people. And then finally at the end he goes over and... and gets approval from St. Peter. But first he goes, he has the experience of God, and then he goes into intense preparation with God. Because when you go into the desert, you know, that's a place where you're meeting God and you're in the silence and you're being fully charged by God. All right. So... What is the, the mission of the church? The mission of the church is a, a call to holiness, is one way to think about a call to holiness. So we have to love God, learn to love God and love ourselves. The mission of the church is a call to evangelization. And that's one of the ways we love our neighbor, by sharing the good news about Jesus Christ with other living human people. So that's part of our mission. So our mission is to love ourself and love God with this call to holiness and to love our neighbor with this call to evangelization and also in there also in, in that same vein is the call to service, the corporal works of mercy, the spiritual works of mercy, social justice, evangelization. These are all ways that we love our neighbor. Our, he's been made a saint now, so Saint Paul the Sixth, Pope Saint Paul the Sixth put it very beautifully. He said the purpose of the church is evangelization. That's why the church exists, so that we can pass on the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. He goes on to say in that document that, will people get to heaven if you don't tell them about Jesus? Probably. God's pretty, God's pretty reasonable. The question is, will you get to heaven if you fail to tell someone about Jesus? So it's that serious that this mission that we have from God is very intense 
very serious and something we are all very much obligated to. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. How do we prepare ourselves for this mission? What are the habits we need to develop, the spiritual habits in order to stay on task? And then finally, uh, we'll start to talk about how we can then start, sh once we're prepared, we can start sharing with other people the good news of Jesus Christ. So if we look on this side, the, the, the discipleship wheel here from Evangelical Catholic, and if you look in the center of the wheel is the, the Greek Cairo. So in Greek, that's, you know, uh, the X is C-H and the R, the, and, uh, and the R is, uh, and the P is R, excuse me, <laughs> Christ. It's short for Christ, Christos. That's a symbol of Christ. This is where Xmas comes from. You say Happy Xmas, it comes from the Cairo. People are trying to refer back to this uh, ancient symbol of Christ in Greek. Yeah, so the Cairo, and he's in the center of the wheel. Now this is a very classic Catholic teaching. That's why you see these beautiful rose windows in Catholic churches. And in the center of all those windows, unless it's Notre Dame or something, but in the center of all those rows, round windows that you see in churches is Christ. So the medievals had a teaching, and they called it uh, the Wheel of Fortune. So this is way before the game show, <laughs> the Wheel of Fortune. So in, the, in, the, in this teaching, this medieval teaching, you start out by sitting on top of the wheel. So you're, you're sitting up here, and you're the king. Everything's great. The whole world's going your way. Everything is super, fantastic. Couldn't be better. But then the wheel turns, and you end up down here, and you end up getting crushed by the wheel. And now you're broken. Now things are not going great. Things are not going. Things are going pretty bad. Then you got to struggle and fight and climb and get back to the top of the wheel where you're king again. That's called the wheel of fortune. Unless you live here in the center with Jesus, then you're off the wheel of fortune. You're not, <laughs> you're not uh, successful in being crushed and struggling, successful being crushed and struggling. You live in the center of the wheel with Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of what Evangelical Catholic is getting at here. So you see in the middle of this wheel on the sheet is the Cairo or Jesus Christ. So our life needs to be centered on Jesus Christ. And he has to be the center of our lives and where we spend all, all, most of our energy, all of our energy, into Jesus Christ. And then these other things in the wheel here are ways that we uh, get connected to Christ. So right around the Cairo symbol are the sacraments. And that's our direct connection with Jesus Christ, the, whole, the sacraments. Those are seven times when Jesus promised us, when the sacraments are present, he is present, and he is there conveying his power, conveying his grace to us. So that is the closest way we get contact with Jesus is through the sacraments. And then you see in these other ways, uh, so in the horizontal and the vertical, so in the vertical, another way of being connected to Christ is to have a prayer life, because in our prayer life, God speaks to us as well, and that's another way of being connected with God. Uh, with Christ, and then the scripture, or God's sacred word, is another way of being connected with Christ. We all know uh, uh, 
ignorance of Christ is ignorance. Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. St. Jerome, that's a famous quote that he said. So that's true. So we have to be connected to God's word. Now, not just at Mass. It's nice to hear it at Mass, but also in our own homes. We have to have a personal practice of praying with the scripture, reading the scripture, studying the scripture. The reason is, if we just hear the scripture at Mass, we'll never know the stories because all we get each week is a snippet. So you don't know what follows what, <laughs> what, what, what part of the story they're in, what's going on. What, you, you don't have any idea because we just get everything broken down into small snippets. So we have to read the scriptures at home to at least get the flow of the story. Right? We all know Harry Potter and Star Wars and Star Trek. We all know those stories, but we don't, know our own, we don't know our own family story, which is the scripture. So to have that practice of, uh, in God's word. Then the other ways we connect with Christ are through our community. So uh, we have a series of communities that we all belong to, beginning with our family, and then the next circle out is our church community, and then our our uh, friends and then our work companions. We're in a series of communities, interlinking communities. And this is another way which we connect with Christ because at our baptism, uh, when we were baptized, the, the Holy Trinity moved inside of each one of us. We all had the indwelling of God in each person. So we can connect to God through other people as well. And then um, through service and love of neighbor, which here we're focusing on evangelization. That's another way. When we are talking about Christ with other people, Jesus Christ says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am present. So when we have that intentionality of getting people introduced and meeting Christ, he is present. And then the whole wheel is held together uh, by, you know, six years ago in my day it was obedience, which I love. So the whole wheel is held together by obedience. Now they've changed it to continual conversion. Okay, I can live with it. So, but think of obedience, too. The whole thing's held together by being obedient to what God will have us do, obeying God, and then committing yourself to this path of constant conversion or constantly being perfected in God. I usually think of a conveyor belt in a factory. We're on a conveyor belt of conversion. We're going towards God, and we're constantly being perfected by God. or, or That's that call to holiness that we were talking about earlier we're being changed. So this connection with God and connection, all these different connections that are on this wheel are the things where we are changed and we become changed because of our connection with God. So they say a little bit about it here. Uh, I'll leave, I'll, I think I'll leave that for you. Well, I'll read it. A disciple is one who seeks to live in a Christ-centered life, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, the heart inhabits of discipleship on the wheel illustration to the right to pick the seven essential elements of a Catholic discipleship. Commitment to and growth in these seven areas helps every disciple to grow in freedom and Christ-likeness. Great, so they used a couple words there. So this is another thing EC teaches that's very helpful. I wish I could draw better, but let's see if I get it. Sorta. Baseball diamond. <laughs> so, you know, home plate, home plate is the world where all the people are. So they're all, all the people are here, you know, we want to get them to know Jesus, but all the people live at home plate. 
And we want to get a person here to first base. Now, first base is being a believer. So we want to get a person from home plate to first base. And this is where the kind of work we're talking about tonight, evangelizing others. That's something we can learn how to do. And then uh, second base is a disciple. And a disciple is someone who believes, but then they have a, they've been formed a little bit. They've been through some formation. So they have to go here, and this kind of breaks into two. So, you know, initial formation, when you're first working with people and talking to them about Christ, this is all the stuff that's in the creed. All the stuff that no one argues about. <laughs> We're talking about stuff that everyone loves. You know, it isn't, we aren't talking about things that are controversial here, like death or suffering <laughs> or things like that. You know, redemptive suffering. And that's in the second part of the journey to becoming a disciple. You know, you get more like um, an ongoing formation. Ongoing formation. So then you need to get them to third base. And third base is a worker. Now, a worker is someone who's a disciple, and they know how to make other disciples. And then once they got that skill, then they go back to home base, and they go into the world. Then you join the choir, or whatever it is we do here at church. Then you become part of something. Now you've been, you're a believer, you've been formed, and you've been trained how to make other disciples, and now you can go back into the world and bring people through the baseball diamond. What we did in the Catholic Church for so many years was we got people here at a believer, and then we tried to make them workers right away. Hey, we got broken toilets over at St. Paul. You come over and help us fix the toilets. We, we, we cut people off from being this formation process, ongoing and initial formation. So when this document's talking about a disciple, it's talking about someone who has gone through some formation and now is ready to learn how to be a worker, how to make other disciples. So these are the remarks of this paper here on, on page two. So in the center, it's talking about number one, choose Jesus. The center of the Christian life is, the, in a, is a person. In Jesus, we find our deepest identity, a beloved child of God. Jesus' words, ways, sacrifice, body, spirit are the infinite well and can never cease to return to for unconditional love, inexhaustible power, and assured guidance from heaven as disciples uh, we seek every day to choose Jesus. We've all heard, you know, we all heard about, you know, the three L's of real estate, location, location, location. For Christianity, it's relationship, relationship, relationship. It's all based on a real relationship with a real person who's really interested in your life and who you get, learn to talk to, you learn to hear his voice, it's all about a real relationship. And then two, cling to the sacraments. The sacraments are God's chosen means of touching, uh, of touching us most directly with his presence and saving help. So the sacraments, of course, are key, right? Especially, at, I know the church teaches go to confession once a year. I think that's not good. <laughs> I mean, it's okay because the church says to do it, but you should go once a month at least and, and receive the healing and the grace and the power of that sacrament and the mercy of God. As a priest, I can really tell a difference when someone comes in that goes once a year versus someone who comes in once a month. 
they're in a different spot spiritually. Pray daily and deeply. Number three, so prayer is a communication with God. It's essential for fulfilling intimate relationship with him. Prayer is like air. Prayer is breathing. So if you don't pray, you're spiritually dead. You're not breathing. So you have to learn to breathe. Breathe in God deeply. One of my favorite images from Catherine of Siena, she said, we're like fish in the water. You know, we breathe in God. <laughs> we breathe God in every day and we breathe him out. This is because we're living in God like fish live in water. So think of it that way. Medit- uh, number four, meditate on God's word. We meditate on God's word and sacred scripture and tradition, letting God's truth sink deeply into our minds and hearts. I remember one priest preaching, this guy dies and he, he meets God. And God says, well, hey, how'd you like my book? Oh, I didn't have time to read it, Lord. I wrote one book. <laughs> you didn't have time to read it, so we don't want to be that person. So anyways, read your Bible, study your Bible, pray with your Bible. Uh, commit to community. Discipleship is not a solo sport. In order to remain faithful, to grow in maturity, and to accomplish God's will, we need others, and others need us. We rely on the church as a refuge and an authentic guidance in our way of Jesus. So the, we're not... You know, unless you're called to be a hermit or something, we're, we're called to be around people. People are called to be hermits, that's fine. But most of us are called to do this in a community. right? And even hermits have to come back to their community and touch base with them and then go back into their hermitage. Evangelize in word and deed. We are called to share the good news of Jesus in words and actions. The gift expands as it is shared to the greater glory of God. So we evangelize, they say, words and actions. I also think thoughts, thoughts, words, and actions are ways that we evangelize. So by thinking, for example, I would, you would have to, you know, sometimes looking around the church and seeing it empty, say, where are these, where are the people that should be here? And pray for them, you know, to notice that, you know, there are people who should be in our, at mass or should be part of our community who really need it, who are hurting. They're struggling with depression. They're struggling with uh, satanic attack. They're struggling with all kinds of things. So we have to think about those people in order to pray for them. And that's the one of the coolest parts about the Mass is, you know, we don't go from consecration to communion. We have all those prayers in between because we're bringing the whole world to the altar. We're bringing everyone in the world to come and receive this grace of Christ. So that's the time... We can really pray for the lost people in our world, the people who don't know Jesus, the people who are really suffering. We got to bring them in spirit to every holy communion. So we evangelize in our thoughts and in our words, telling people about Jesus, then in our deeds. So loving people is a kind is evangelization. When we're helping someone, you know, we're doing that in the name of Jesus, and that's a way of getting them to realize that God does love them. So by also with our service, our works of service. <clears throat> and then commit to continual conversion. Discipleship is a joy-filled journey, uh, ongoing transformation into the people God calls us to be, the people who love like Jesus in all circumstances. This is a high calling. It's a grace requiring our ongoing consent, effort, cooperation, as we grow in freedom from sin and surrender to the will of God. Yeah, that's beautiful. So we, 
it's joy-filled, and we are being transformed. So there's really, we're really three different people. Who we think we are, who others think we are, <laughs> and then who we really are. <laughs> so between those three, and God sees us as we, as we ought to be. God sees the gap from who we're created to be and to who he's called us to be. And there's a big gap there. And so through this process of holiness and being made into a disciple of Jesus, we're, we're, we're becoming the people that God has created us to be through his grace and through our cooperation with God's grace. So this is where we uh, you know, uh, start with the idea of being a disciple, is getting this kind of a balance in our prayer life getting these goals, you know, I'm a big believer in setting goals for the spiritual life. Um, failure to plan is a plan to fail, we've all heard that. So to set goals in the spiritual life and to pray your way into who it is that God is calling you to be. It's not, again, we're not Superman and Wonder Woman just getting tougher and stronger and willing it harder. We are surrendering to God, letting God work in our life, letting God change us into the person we're called to be. Okay, if you could turn over the paper then to side one. Uh, and if you just, uh, with, without looking at the white part of the diagram, which is a pyramid, everybody uses pyramids, don't they? The ancient Egyptians were so happy. <laughs> so the bottom of the pyramid uh, takes the most weight and holds up the whole holds up the whole structure. So the bottom of the pyramid has to be the biggest, and that's our connection to Christ. That's that discipleship wheel I was just talking about. That's where we spend our time and energy and our, and, and our thinking about and trying to figure out ways that we can be more connected to Christ. We have to be connected to Christ. And then uh, the second part of this pyramid is our, our relationships. So once we're connected to Christ, then we have to be looking for people that we can connect with. People that you don't normally know. I mean, I, I, not it's okay to hang out with your friends, but not when you're at events where we're trying to get people connected to Christ. you got to look for someone you don't know. We used to call that in EC, uh, become a swivel head. So you're looking around the room for someone you don't know. And then you're going to go and talk to that person that you don't know and get to know them. And you're going to get to know who they are and why they like to come to St. Paul's and, you know, what about their family or why do you come to church, things like that. You're not going to ask them to do anything like come fix the toilets. You know, we're not going to ask them to help. We're just going to get to know that person. And we're gonna, so we're always seeking out someone we don't know so that we can talk to them and get to know them and then hopefully over time, you know, bring them into a closer relationship with Christ when, when time's appropriate to invite, invite them to a, a small group or teams of Our Lady or all these different things that we have here. And then the very top of the pyramid is the, you know, the intentional dis disciple making. You know, and that's way over here, so on, on the baseball diamond. So the intentionality of making a disciple that is the last part, the, the smallest part where we put our time. Again, we spend most of our time connecting to Christ and building relationships with people. And then as the Holy Spirit opens doors, we begin to direct them into a closer relationship with Christ.
So with that, uh, with that, those foundation stones of the pyramid here is the part that's in black, and these are the the habits of heart and mission. So these are things again that we have in our life that we are asking the grace from God to build these things in our life. This is where we're spending our time and our energy. Uh, I remember a priest once said, you know, you want to know where you're at? Well, look at your checkbook and look at your calendar. Where do you spend your money <laughs> and where do you spend your time? That's where, that's where your heart is. So this is where we, we put our heart and our efforts into these 10 habits. And let's see. So seeking intimacy with Jesus. That was the three-part series that I did with us all about vocal, mental, and contemplative prayer. So that looking for that balance in your prayer life, having time of vocal prayer, time of mental prayer, and time of contemplative prayer, time of listening. And also, I think what's really important, too, is intercess intercessory prayer, spending time interceding for the people that God has put into your life. And the way that I've been doing that lately, I don't have my rosary. <laughs> I took a nap. Oh, I do have one. I usually have more than one. Yay. So the way I've been doing that lately, that's my phone charger. Uh, it's just take the rosary and uh, for each bead on the rosary, pray for someone you know. It's not hard to pray your way around the rosary. Now, I'm not saying say Hail Mary. I'm just saying ask God to pray for that person what they need. You know, if you start with your family, that gives me like seven people. That gives me through a lot of beads. And then my friends and, you know, Father Reginald and Father Patrick and Father Justice. And so... I know, my shoes are always untied. Uh, so, yeah, it's my curse in life. <laughs> I'm not going to fall. So, intercession. It's a nice way to end up your prayer time. You know, pull that rosary out and then intercede for, you know, all each, intercede for each person on here as a bead. Then, of course, you need to worship God. You need the sacraments, the scripture. Every Catholic should have at least one devotional prayer. You know, these devotional prayers, they've been passed down to us from our ancestors. You should find one that you like and practice that, have one devotional prayer. Not 25, but one. One good one that speaks to you and that it opens your heart more to God. I was just saying earlier, I'm a sacred heart guy, you know, and there's Chestahova, but there's sacred heart right back there. So that's my devotion. And then, uh, you know, to be intimate with Jesus too, we need to make sacrifices for God. So it shouldn't just be easy to serve God. You've got to be doing something that is hard for God, something that is sacrificial. You know, your basic prayer life, I usually talk about bookends. On a bookcase, you know, you have a, you have a metal thing here and a metal thing that holds the books up. That's your, like your morning prayer and your evening prayer. But you need something in the middle of the day. You need to stop what you're doing and sacrifice that time for God in prayer. And you could be doing something else, but you're going to make a sacrifice now and give that time back over to God. So the sacrificial aspect of our life is is important. You know that's why we have our ascetical practices as well. Like we, you know, during Lent, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and self-denial, we soup them up. We 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 do them more. We don't only do them during Lent. That's a mistake. So you should have 
one day a week where you're denying yourself something you like to do for, for the sake of God. And you should have a fast day. You know, Our Lady of Medjugorje, she, she says do two, Wednesday and, and Friday. Love that. And so, and then, of course, you know, if you only prayed during Lent, you'd be spiritually dead. So you can see how it's, we're meant to do these things all year long. Lent and Advent are sort of like intensifications of our normal sacrificial ascetical practices. Number two, sanctify ordinary life. Seek, find, and build the kingdom in daily work and secular interest. Uh, interest. So this is about, you know, intentionality. Being, being we're on number two under the pyramid. This is about intentionality, being very intentional about your life. So I just read, you know, The Seven Secrets of the Eucharist by Vinnie Flynn. What a great book. And he got me thinking, his last secret is, you can do as many spiritual communions a day as you want. There's no limit to the number of spiritual communions you do. So now I try to do one when I go through a doorway. So I'm doing like 25, 30 spiritual communions a day. Just because I'm, as I'm going through a doorway, I say, Lord, I can't receive you now physically. Please come into my heart in a spiritual way. That's intentional living. What's your prayer when you open the church door? What's your prayer when you stick your hand in the holy water font? What do you say when you genuflect to the Lord? What do you say when you're leaving church? What's your prayer when you get in your car? Making your life very, very intentional, trying to sanctify all the moments of your day with some prayer. This is what we're talking about here, about sanctifying ordinary life. And then, this is, this is from me now, not... Uh, this is from me, not from EC, but DRIP. This is, a, this is a, I love acronyms. DRIP is a little acronym. So, you know, D is for desire. So the whole secret of the spiritual life is you get what you desire. If you desire something more than God, that's what you get. So if you desire God, you get God. So you have to even pray for that. Lord, increase my desire for you. And then, and then R is, you know, repetition. So we do things over and over. This builds the habit. Do you remember that sin and, uh, there's a verse and vi- uh, sin and virtue work in the same way or vice and virtue? So the more we sin, the easier it becomes to sin until it takes over and becomes a slave master. Well, virtue works exactly the same way. The more we practice virtue, the easier it becomes until it becomes automatic for us to be, to be growing in virtue. Uh, and then the I is for intentionality, and the P is for perseverance. So pray. These things you got to ask for God in your prayer. Lord, please give me the grace of desiring you more. Please give me the grace of uh, repetition. Please give me the grace of intentionality. Please give me the grace of perseverance, especially final perseverance. We want to be faithful to the end, especially as we're preparing for death. Number three, intercede through prayer and fasting. Join Jesus' ongoing intercession for all creation to be filled with the glorious freedom of God's love. So I already talked about that, didn't I? But so it is part of the spiritual life. Another way I talk about the spiritual life is a map. That covers everything. So the acts of mercy, your ascetical practices, and prayer. <laughs> if you keep all three of those in line, you're going to do very well with the Lord. You're going to grow in your spiritual life. 
Uh, invest in relationships, number four. Practice the building blocks of relationships and the art of conversation. That's something that I'm giving training on to people, but you know, there are ways to have good conversations with people, so read about that, practice that, and a, a lot of it has to do with just asking questions about whatever somebody says to you and getting to know them better. And then you try to find... You try to find a topic with that they know something a lot about and you let them tell you about it. And that's a great way to really have a conversation with someone because everybody's an expert in something and you try to find that and let them go on and tell you. Number five, love the lost and the least. Join God's compassion and urgent concern for those in most need of his mercy and help. That's, again, we talked about that a little bit already. Um, Saint Dominic was known for this. He would, you know, he'd be out in the daytime with the people. He'd come back at night and he would pray in the church. And he would often be heard to say, "What will become of the lost?" And he would break down in tears and cry because so many people, in his time, did not know the Lord Jesus. So he would be worried and concerned about them. And this is actually a very um, significant turn in your spiritual life when, because it's not about you anyways. So at some point you make this turn from it's not all about me to it's also so it's about the people who don't know Jesus and how can I help them to find their way to him. Meet people where they are and then help them take the next step. Use the thresholds of um, deepening conversion to grow in attentiveness. That's something we teach too, like the thres thres thresholds of conversion. Basically, you know, you don't give people the highest theology the first time they ask you about something. Like, why do you go to church? Well, it's the body and blood of the Lord, the angels and the saints flood the room, uh, transubstantiation. No, you just say, you know, I find peace when I go to Mass. It helps me get through the week. So try to meet people where they are, not give them the highest thing you know right in the first time they ask you a question. Likely they're not going to ask you another question. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Ask about experience of faith. Seize the right opportunity and discuss the deeper things. So yeah, so you know, we we talk about movies, we talk about books, we talk about everything except Jesus, right? Ask people about their faith and what they believe in Jesus, and talk and share your faith with other people. It's perfectly natural. It's it's uh, it's just one of the things we talk about. And then, uh, you know, I learned a, a way to do this. It's kind of fun for people that are my age. You'll remember this. Uh, you remember Columbo? <laughs> Pardon me, man. That's a very beautiful bed. you mind if I lay in it? Columbo. <laughs> Anyways, he had a method. Because he, what, uh, for you in the back row there, Columbo. <laughs> he was a TV show detective. And he would just question people all the time. And they got irritated at him. That's how he would catch them. Because he would keep asking them questions. So there's a there's a, uh, a Protestant fun, uh, fundamentalist um, preacher come up with this book called Tactics, and he teaches the Columbo method. So the first thing is you ask people, you know, when people say something, you, you well, tell me more about that. Tell me more. What you know? What do you mean by that? Tell me about that. And after a while, you're listening to them. So he puts you off. You're not being attacked. You're not being attacked. You're asking them questions about what they believe. And then the next question is, you know, well, how did you come to that conclusion? I hear you saying that. How did you come to that conclusion once you hear what they believe? 
right? And mo- he said most people don't know. They just parrot things they've heard. So he asked, how did you come to that conclusion? And then the third part, third question is, have you ever considered this? Now, you're not trying to win a fight or an argument. You're just trying to put a pebble, a pebble in their shoe so they can think about it. They can think a little bit about, about what you've just said. So think of Columbo when you're talking to people, if you feel like you're being attacked, and just start asking them questions about what, they're, what they mean. He gave an example in this book of he met a witch in Wisconsin, and she was there wearing her, you know, wearing the five-pointed Wiccan star. And he says, well, let me ask you a question. Um, does that, is that just jewelry, or does that have some kind of religious significance? She goes, oh, no, I'm a Wiccan. We believe in these five points, and one of them was respect all life. And he goes, oh, well, you must be uh, you must be against abortion then, because you respect all life. Oh, actually, no, it's kind of funny, uh, but I am a Wiccan who's who's in support of abortion. Well, why? You know, what what would be a reason? Well, incest. She looks. They have they have these parroted answers. Incest would be a reason. So he goes to her. So you're telling me if I had a two-year-old kid next to me that was born of incest, we should be able to kill that baby? Well, that, I'm a little bit, I, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. He goes, well, I'm glad to hear that. And then he walks away. But just giving her something to think about because she had, was telling what she believed and was contradicting with what, what she believed. Her own beliefs were contradictory. Mm-hmm. Number eight, share your good news. Have stories of God's victory in your life. He's changing you. Sometimes others need to hear about it. That's this beautiful book by Father Ricardo called um, uh, Rescued, where he's trying to teach people how to share the gospel. And he breaks it down to, oh, I should have marked the page. He breaks it down to uh, four sentences and finally to four words. Ah, yeah, so he breaks it down to the, the goodness of creation, Sin and its consequences, God's response to our sin, and our response to what God has done for us. And he breaks that down into four words: created, captured, rescued, response. EC has a nice has a nice one too in this uh, that I use too. It's you know good and love that God is good and creation is good. Humanity is uniquely blessed and called to serve God. And then broken and restored, the world is broken by sin, evil, and death and division. But God is a, a God of rescue. And then transformed and sent by grace and without with effort, we undergo ongoing transformation and contribute to the world's healing. The point is, have an idea of what the gospel is so you can share it with people and uh, come up with some ways of being able to share not only the, what the gospel message is, but some example from your life where God has rescued you or saved you. Number nine, facilitate discipleship environments where two or three are gathered in his name. Jesus is present. God is a living and effective. That's basically hospitality, right? Being good to people and making, uh, like our Polish Easter basket blessing, somebody made it into a party. So we had food and it was, it was you know, the, the event was nice, but then afterwards we got to hang around and be good to each other. So yeah, have this this uh, making an environment that is friendly and, and open to people and place where people want to come, a uh, place that's safe. And then establish disciples. From, from them in the heart and habits of discipleship, go and make disciples and establish them to all nations. 
So you're really asking God, to, you know, once you're ready for God to send someone to you that you can mentor in the faith. And uh, someone that um, you'll see someone and you can start, once you get trained in this, you can start then uh, helping people to come to a closer relationship with Jesus. There's something called, uh, these are usually called like one-on-one sessions with someone. And you have deep faith discussions. So it's it's in the context of you're in a small group, you're all sharing your faith, and eventually at some point there might be someone who God is directing you to take into a deeper relationship, and you know them already, and you begin to you know work with them on the deeper meanings of faith. That's all I have today. Any questions about that?